When we share our stories with one another, we inspire each other. We help each other to grow. We also help one another to feel less alone. I'm Amanda Solar. I'm the host of Soulful Connections, and I'm the founder of SoulfulLiving.com. Join me and let's connect. Connection. So I'm about to interview Natalie Pantaleo, and I am extremely intrigued because Natalie is coming out with a book called Lying Down with Dogs. It is a coming of age story. Um, it seems, I don't know, I haven't read it and I look forward to reading it and I'm almost thinking it's giving me like sex in the city vibes. But here's the really interesting thing. Natalie holds a master's in bilingual bicultural studies in Spanish from La Salle. She graduated with honors. She has a BA in journalism and public relations from Temple University. She is based in Philadelphia. She's a marketing communications consultant. And I just kind of want to reconcile this lying down with dogs story with this, you know, incredibly accomplished background. So here I go. So I was looking at your, I have to say your impressive bio. Oh. It was impressive before you wrote a book. So <laughs> I was wild before I even read that you wrote a book. And I just want to in introduce everyone to Natalie Pantaleo. Did I say that right? Pantaleo? Mm -hmm. You got it. Right. Um, who is the author of the book Lying Down with Dogs. Um, and I kind of, I was looking over your wildly impressive background. You have a master's in, was it um, bilingual bicultural studies in Spanish? Yes. You have a degree in journalism from Temple. You are um, a marketing communications consultant and now published author. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, you know, I was, was thinking that your book, Sight Unseen, it was kind of giving me like Sex in the City vibes. Yeah. Well, that was an inspiration for me when I wrote my vignettes, which is the beginning of, which was the beginning of this book, um, unwittingly. <laughs> well, you know, I was talking to you before and I said, you know, if I had a nickel for everyone I talked to who said that they had a book in them or they wanted to write a book or they were trying to write a book, I would be much richer than I am. It's really impressive before you even publish a book to finish a book. So can you share with me your journey? Sure. First of all, I'd like to thank you for having me. And I've been listening to some of your recorded podcasts and I just really enjoy it. I love your uh, uh, interviewing style and getting to like the heart of, of things that really resonate with other people, I think. Thank you. And you have quite a resume yourself. So, <laughs> touche. <laughs> uh, so, the journey of the book, as you mentioned, Sex in the City at the time 
um, in the early 90s, I remember watching or mid 90s, whenever that series was on, I won't miss an episode. And I remember joking with the women I worked with at this restaurant in Philadelphia, they don't have anything on us, you know, and one day uh, sitting down to a lunch with some of the former co-workers at this restaurant, women that I'm still friends with today, all these years later, um, we were joking about some of the hilarious stories that ensued, you know, during the work night. And I think most restaurants have zany stories behind the scenes. So we were laughing and one of the women, a good friend of mine, um, Iris said, you got her. She calls me Natty girl. Natty girl, you, you have to write these down. She knows I write, you know, so I went back to my office and I had a late day and I started to write a couple of vignettes to share back just with that circle of friends because that's who I thought it would be the funniest to. And at that time I had no, um, I wasn't planning to write a book. I was just writing a few vignettes. And I was thinking in terms of um, Sex in the City because it just was uh, in a lot of ways a parallel to the real life we experienced at the restaurant. A different setting, different city, but very similar. So the, the journey of the book, it, that's how it started. I put it down. A few years later, I picked it up and I just started to write. And this is where it, it started to take more on the form of a book or become a concept of a book. Because as I wrote and wrote and wrote, and this was maybe for a period of maybe two months, three months in the evenings. Uh, my daughter was small. I'd come home from work and I just as a hobby. And I realized that as I started to write and write and write, that this was really an enigmatic experience in my life. I was there for 11 years, even though I worked professionally during the day. And this was my coming of age. There was a real transformation of me as a, as a person. I grew up there in this restaurant, so to speak. And I put it down again and a couple more years passed and now it's 2015. And I just pick it up again. And now I'm going back to those vignettes and trying to make them a fluid story and have continuity with the latter part of the book. I put that in quotes uh, because it, it really wasn't a full book yet. And I put it down again and I hadn't touched it till a year and a half ago. Um, and I shared with you the story. I don't know how far you want me to go into the story of how it came to be. Yeah, fun. no, I, I would love for you to go into that story because I think that is just so, um, it's inspiring that you never know right. where something big can kind of happen in your life. It is so true. You just have to be open to the possibilities because there are limitless possibilities of things that can happen, but we get caught up, I think, as human beings in, um, you know, limitations. Like we keep replaying a scene that happened before and think that that's going to happen again, but all the variables are different. So I don't know why we do that, but we do that as human beings. Yeah. So uh, a year and a half ago, I was on a retreat in Sedona, Arizona, and there were several different sessions. And I went to this one session and the woman was a, happened to be a therapist. She did this really cool thing with sand where you took all these little knickknacks that spoke to you and you put them in the sand. And it was just this cool uh, session with her. And at one point she holds up this children's book and she tells me that her, she actually said the word spirit daughter. I always say goddaughter because most people on the East coast, not yeah. in, you know, woo woo Sedona are like, what's right, a spirit right. daughter? So um, she said her goddaughter was a publisher. And I said, oh, I've written a few children's books. And I had written three children's books, one of which I thought was pretty good. And I tried to get that published. I worked with a professional illustrator. This is going back like, you know, 15, 20, 15 years ago or so, or maybe 12 years ago, 
and I, I think I may have mentioned this to you, in that case, I did go the traditional route of trying to get it published. And I must have sent out queries to about 150 um, literary agents and publishing houses. And I got 150 of the nicest rejection letters you ever want to get. <laughs> they all said wow. something very kind, but it wasn't for them. And so, you know, I put that down. Um, fast forward, I'm in Sedona and... So the woman tells me, she said, oh, I said, oh, I've written, she said, oh, I'll introduce you to my, my goddaughter. And I thought to myself, like, she's just naive. She's very sweet. You know, she doesn't realize that, first of all, she didn't know me from anyone and she had not read one word I've ever written. So she had no idea what level, you know, writer I was, if I was any good. And so I just kind of dismissed it as like a polite conversation. I said, oh, that would be great. I happened to see this woman again later that week and she said, oh, I spoke to my goddaughter and uh, she said that she's really swamped right now, but if I could take your information, she'll call you. And I said, oh, that would be great. I gave her my information, but again, I dismissed it as like just a polite uh, conversation because I thought that perhaps this woman didn't realize how daunting the publishing process is, you know? So I never thought about that again. And three months later, I'm sitting at this computer talking, same computer probably I'm talking to you on. And the phone rang. And uh, this is now bringing us up to last uh, March. And wow. March a year ago. And uh, this sweet voice on the other end says, hello, Natalie, this is Lindsay. I, you met my, my spirit mom or godmother, uh, Paula and Sedona. I'm so sorry it's taken me so long to follow up with you. I was floored. Because I wow. never actually thought that this would come to fruition. I just thought it was a courteous conversation. And so we had a nice conversation. She was very intrigued at the t on the phone about the fact that I wrote these children's books, but that I also write professional communications for a living for my clients. And so she asked me to put together some synopsis for the three books, any illustrations I had, my bio, a little bit about the kinds of things I write for work. And we were going to meet on a Zoom call two weeks later. So I crafted the email, I, you know, put everything in, dotted my I's, crossed my T's, because this is a publisher. And I have to tell you, at this moment in time, I didn't even have a second to look at her website to see what kind of publisher she was, what she focused on. I was kind of just like taking the opportunity and getting her the information. And as I'm ready to send it, I went, you know, I should go look at her website. I don't, you know what, maybe I'll just do a PS because I don't want to miss this chance to get this out the door. I'll do a PS and I'll say, hey, maybe you're interested. I don't know if you're interested in this kind of a book, but I wrote this sort of chick lick coming of age fictionalized story about my life working at a famous Philadelphia restaurant. And here's the first two chapters. The book is rough and needs a lot of editing, but you know, just uh, thought I'd send it to you and see if you're interested. So two weeks later, we get on the call and she's very sweet. And she tells me all the things she loved about my children's books, but why they weren't the perfect for, for her um, publishing house. And she's a small publisher. She has about 12 books a year, give or take. Um, so I said, oh, thank you so much. It was so nice. And she encouraged me to, to self-publish on Amazon with those books. And uh, she said, no, no, wait. She said, I'm trying to uh, temper my enthusiasm and excitement here. She said, I know you're signed on with somebody already. I just know it, but I want to publish your novella. I love it. And I'm telling you, I almost fell off my chair. So, so just so to your she point, said she wanted to publish your novella. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's so incredible. To your point, you never know what's going to happen, where you're going to, you just have to be open to the possibilities, you know? 
Yeah, and you know, what I find so interesting about what you, that whole story is that you got about 150 rejections for, you know, a different book, but you know, rejections can knock us down and just kind of set us on a different course. And I just find it fascinating that you said yes. Okay, give her my information. And then when she contacted you, you know, sometimes people, we put blocks in our own way because it's, it is daunting right. and it's big and there's this trust kind of vulnerability. Yeah, well, and it's right. your story and you have to kind of lay yourself bare a little bit. And, you know, did, was there a, a hesitation at all? When she reached out to you, did you hesitate? No, I, I just... I just thought it was a great opportunity and I was shocked that she called me and I thought, why not? You know, what, what do I have to lose by sending that it to her? And amazing. then, then I went online and looked her up and found that she was legitimate, but I went from my gut with the, with the reactions. And then I took the time. I just happened to be busy, caught off guard the day that, you know, she called. And, um, and so I, then I looked at her website and I actually was very impressed with her. She's sort of like, I think she would, laugh if I said this, but like a child prodigy because she had her first book published at 14. She's Her name is Lindsay wow. Gehrke, by the way, and it's the Awakened Press. And she um, started to write from a young age, as did I, and she lived in Canada and she entered a contest and she won the contest and had a, a book published or a few chapters of her book published and she knew she wanted to start a publishing company. And uh, boy, does she know that business. I've learned so much from her really. And, and in addition to just the business of publishing. We have a synergistic relationship. I mean, I feel like I have known her my whole life and I'll never forget, um, she's uh, in Arizona, I mentioned. And um, so during the pandemic in the first phase of our working together on the developmental editing of the book, since I had a book, we, didn't, we were in developmental editing. Um, I had a manuscript. Um, we worked on Zoom. And when I finally got to fly out to meet her in January, uh, we met at a coffee shop. And when I turned around and saw her, we hugged for 10 minutes. I mean, we real, I just, I love her. Like, I just love yeah, her. Yeah, that gives me her, chills. You know? Yeah. That, so backing up, I just want to ask you, you said that you did write as a child. So were you always interested in writing and were you a reader? Uh, I became a um, more voracious reader later in life as a young girl I read you know for school and stuff but I didn't read as a hobby till I got a little older but yes I kind of always wanted to write I do have some writers in the family and uh, also some folks that were in advertising so the two worlds like sort of came together in my mind but I'll, and this is kind of corny but when I realized I wanted to write and I like to write it was in the fourth grade I went to a catholic grade school and um Italian neighborhood in South Philadelphia and we had two nuns and sister Dorothy was my English teacher and uh, if you finished your lessons early you got to do like this kind of fun literary exercise it was called the SRA reading lab and so you could pick one of the activities was that they would start a story and you would finish it well I would get my work done extra early because I loved doing it so much or there was a picture a magazine picture and you were encouraged to write a story about it and I didn't honestly realize that Sister Dorothy was paying attention to this. And she kept encouraging me. And, and at the end of the year, I won the English award. And I was really wow. shocked because there were so many really bright kids in my class, really, really bright kids. 
uh, like a lot of them. And so I was really shocked to get the English award, but I knew I liked to write and she encouraged me. So I do give her credit for that. And then I just continued like in high, uh, in eighth grade, I you know, was the yearbook editor and in high school, I wrote for the paper and our literary magazine in college, I wrote for the papers. And so I had this journalism major at Temple and right before I graduated, like a year before, I said, you know what, I don't wanna just uh, do news, straight up news writing or reporting. So I added a double major and extended my time a little into public relations where I was allowed to, you know, have more creative ability with the writing, which led to marketing and communications <laughs> in my work. So where did the Spanish come in? So um, at one, uh, this, this is a story in my book, as a matter of fact, uh, at one point in my life, I was still working at this restaurant. I was working professionally during the day. I had gotten a, a job in advertising department of a bank. And I did a lot of different types of writing there, you know, everything, because it was hands-on from an, our newsletter to our direct mail to what have you, uh, campaign. Um, but I, I really needed to get away. I was having some, like, I was going through um, some changes in my personal life and relationships and stuff, and I wanted to get away. And I was a French minor in college. But I wanted to learn Spanish because at the time, NAFTA, the first NAFTA was being approved. And there were all these opportunities in international marketing in like Central America. And I had these dreams that like, oh, I'm going to be an international marketer. So I wanted to learn wow. Spanish, but I didn't know a lick of Spanish. So I was going to take like a Berlitz <laughs> course. And at, this was a, before the internet. And I hate to say that because it dates us and I don't feel like you know, we're in that category right. or otherwise. But uh, before the internet, I used to subscribe to this little newsletter. It was called the Shoestring Traveler. It was stapled, uh, like, a, you know, saddle stitch stapling. And I get this newsletter in the mail and it says, learn Spanish, um, X amount tuition and private room and board, three meals a day, $18 a day. And I thought, oh, this, it was in Mexico. And I thought, oh, I have to investigate this. So I called the number. There was like a liaison in America. And I talk about like taking a risk or trusting in something. Yeah. So I sign up and I'm going to take this course. It's a month long. It was $500 and $18 a day room and board. It was like really inexpensive. Plus it was an adventure. I had never been, uh, I've been out of the country at that point, but I had never been anywhere alone, never on a vacation alone. I finagled all these days off every personal day, every sick day to be able to go away, you know, for the better part of a month. It wasn't quite a month. And I tried to verify the authenticity of this school. I called the uh, um, Mexican consulate and they could verify there, were, there was an address, but it was really oh at that time a shot in the dark and it was in central Mexico. It wasn't a resort town. So oh, I, this is crazy. <laughs> I know this, I'm sorry, we're getting off on a tangent, but this is how this needs to be a whole book. <laughs> yeah. So I, long story, a little shorter. I went, it was the most amazing experience of my entire life. Uh, I will tell you the details are in the book, but I, um, I was a nervous wreck, but it turned out to be this legitimate school in this magnificent city called Cuernavaca. Uh, it was such a cultural experience. And so when I came back from there, I knew a lot about the culture and I had a little basis in phrasing, but, you know, four weeks, especially, you know, partying every night at a nightclub while you're there is not sufficient for learning Spanish or any language fluently. 
So I came back and I decided to keep going with it. And I enrolled at LaSalle University. They had a great program in bilingual bicultural studies of Spanish, um, which was fantastic. And I loved it. I was in the honors and stuff and I'm working at the restaurant. I'm going to school at night and I'm working during the day, my advertising job. And I just thought, when I graduate, I'm going to quit the job and I'll get a job in international marketing. But I ended up getting promotion after promotion at the job and I stayed there for five years and I never pursued the Spanish professionally, but it does really come in handy in life. So I bet. <laughs> that's okay, a, little, so we might, a little turn. <laughs> oh, and I'm about to do another detour because, and this might be in the book too, but where do you get this? Where do you get this bravery, this spunk? Is this from your, you know, your mom? Is this like, where does this come from? Um, well, you know, when I was growing up, we took a family vacation to the Jersey Shore every year and maybe a Poconos trip. Um, when I got older, like in college, my mom moved to Florida, but my, I, I had a travel bug from very, very young age. I don't know if it was instilled in me by, by my dad. He was a great storyteller and he used to tell us stories about the gondolas in Venice or the bullfights in Spain as if he had been there and he had never been out of the country. And so he had, you know, he liked to tell stories. So that was part of the intrigue. But once I got the bug with my friends, which would have been senior year going down to Florida ourselves for senior trip. Once I had the bug and went on that trip, I just had the bug. And then I just, and I love travel. And my daughter is actually incredible. the same way. So, so the adventure. Yeah. And then you've got this, the storytelling, I guess, from your dad too. Yes. That, I like did, yeah. ability to spin a tail. Right. Um, so back to the book real quick. So does it come, did you say it comes out this week? Does it come yeah, out this on the week? 12th. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, I think uh, Monday's the 12th, the 12th. Okay, so it comes out Monday the 12th. And then where can people get it? It's available on Amazon worldwide. It's available on Burn wow. Barnes & Noble, um, Thrifty Books, um, and you name it, it's being distributed to 40,000 uh, booksellers worldwide. That it also includes libraries and universities and local mom and pop bookstores as well. It's being distributed through Ingram, Ingram Books. So they have, you know, international. It's when I, when my publisher, Lindsay, sent me um, the breakdown of the countries and I said, my book is being pub is being published and is going to England or Canada or like what? Like, I cannot believe that my stories are going to be accessible in those countries so Canada <laughs> that is really really amazing and exciting so you know you you call it a coming of age story and I'm wondering you know what those years in that restaurant meant to you you know who were you when you started and where where were you when you left like right well I when I started I didn't I didn't even realize that I was naive I was 19 years old when I got there and I did not feel naive. I lived away at college. I spent summers at the shore. Right now. Um, <laughs> but when I got there, boy, did I get an education. So because it was at the time. Mr. Dorothy did not prepare you. <laughs> no, no, she didn't. And she probably, I don't know how proud she'd be in the book. <laughs> it's like sort of a tell-all. But um, when I arrived at the restaurant, I it was eye-opening. First of all, anything and everything was discussed. And, you know, in restaurant settings and, and actually any job I've had, I worked in corporate up until six years ago, they sort of um, cross the age barriers or the age barriers go away and you have this bond of the job, you know? And so 
Yeah. It didn't matter, male, female, how old, busboy or an old bartender. Everybody talked really candidly about this one or sex or this or that. That was number one. Number two was before Philly's restaurant renaissance. So at the time, this restaurant was the place to be seen by the, the most affluent. And on a regular basis, every week, there was some celebrity in there. There, I mean, George Papar, I waited on Bette, Mil ben Bette Midler, excuse me, she had uh, clams and spaghetti white. Uh, she, you know, um, <laughs> uh, every sports personality, Joe Frazier, uh, Charles Barkley, Billy Joel is part of the story also. And um, so it was really a place to see and be seen. But the other thing that uh, was, I guess, enlightening for me is as a kid growing up in South Philadelphia, very humble upbringing, you know, my parents worked really hard, was in Catholic school, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of extras. The money exchange in this restaurant at first was obscene to me, you know, and then because the customers befriended the girls, we were invited to these parties and these, you know, lavish dinners and, and after a while, that was one transformation. I was no longer intimidated by that. It felt very comfortable. And right. that took a while. There was a real transformation that had to take place in my mind. Because yeah. that was like so intimidating to me, extremely intimidating to me. And I do remember my dad also said, uh, you know, everybody puts their pants on the same way in the morning. And it's true. You know, people are people. And by the way, I'll give my mom a plug too. Even though my dad was a storyteller, my mother has a great sense of humor. So I got that from her as well. Nice. <laughs> nice. So that was yeah. one part of the transformation at the restaurant. The other thing was that because the people were so candid and open, they told you like it is. Like you, there was no um, making an excuse for yourself or uh, being victimized in any way. You know, people, and, and I think when people are that, uh, blunt with you once you get over the initial like oh my god is that what somebody thinks of me or that's not true or the defensiveness it kind of sinks in sometimes and it's an opportunity to, to look at yourself so I think that uh, that was part of the culture there as well you know we all told each other as as it was and so <laughs> I and love that bonds from that too yeah yeah because you're real you're being you're being completely real yeah. so do you how, do you, I know you're just publishing this and you just, it, it must be really intense to write and edit. And I honestly can't begin to imagine in your head, in your heart, do you think, oh, I'm going to write another one someday? Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I, I, first of all, it was not, it was intense, but it was a labor of love. I would lose myself. I'm not kidding you. And I had some rough, uh, rough, some emotional stuff that over the past year, a lot of different family dynamics and stuff happening. And, and it was very, very challenging. I lost myself in the book. There are days that I got up and said, oh, oh, I want to just change that chapter. And I looked up at the clock. And this was before I was really, really as busy as I am now with work. But I would look up at the clock and it'd be like four o'clock and I was in my pajamas and I didn't brush my teeth yet. And I was like, Oh my God, like it was a time warp. I didn't even, I wow. couldn't believe the time had gone by, but I lost myself in the writing of the book. I absolutely just, it's like a complete passion. So I'd like to write another book. People have asked me if it would be a sequel. And sometimes I think I might like to write a prequel about young Natalie, well, Valerie, that's my yes. character in the book, um, you yeah. know, before before the restaurant, but I'm not really sure. So I'm just going to let, let, that come to me but yeah. I also have some ideas for what I'd like to write uh not like nonfiction uh from a marketing standpoint some I, I do a lot of work with um, brand positioning 
And so I have some interest in writing some uh, like maybe how to or helpful books that way. Oh, interesting. Um, do you have like uh, a ritual? I mean, is there something that you do every morning? Do you write every day? What is that like? I have a ritual in the morning. Uh, do you want to hear? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I do. Now. I'm obsessed with hearing. I will tell you, Natalie, I am impressed. Like I love other people's rituals because I'm very ritualistic. <laughs> I don't so, know if you know anything about Virgos. We're very ritualistic. Ritual. Oh, I didn't know that, but I'm telling you, I, I always ask people. And then when somebody says, oh no, you know, every morning I just get up and, you know, get dressed and go out. I'm always like, <laughs> well, I get up, I go start the coffee, which I prep the night before, because I have to have my two cups of coffee that I enjoy so much in the morning, French roast. And I feed the dog and then I come up with my first cup of coffee and then I go into a meditation for a half an hour. I do guided meditation. Sometimes I do two or three. Sometimes I do one longer one. It is really, I need it to get through the day. It, it centers me, but it also um, getting quiet like that uh, opens my mind up because I get downloads of uh, either solutions or ideas I really feel like it's something I guess I need and I love it. It's um, just part of my ritual. So uh, that's that's in the morning. And then I try to get a workout in before eight or 9 a.m. Sometimes with a book <laughs> or even with a press release or something I'm writing for a client, I cannot shut my mind off. And there are some mornings that I wake up and I go, oh, no, I have got to change, albeit to although I have to change that word. It's just not. I mean, it's in my head. It's like it won't go away. And so I try to be disciplined and not jump on the computer because if I jump on the computer, I don't get the meditation or the workout in. So yeah. I try to stick to that routine, you know, but I do write for a living. And so I write every single day, yeah. something. Right. And I do, I agree with you I, I, about meditation. I, I think it's actually kind of a gateway to creativity as well. So I, I think that, that it, it kind of goes hand in hand. Um, I also love asking people, you know, what inspires you? Where do you go for inspiration? Do you, is there a movie that inspires you? A book, quotes, nature? All three, lots of movies, <laughs> books, and I, I have to be grounded in nature. Like that's my, usually my workout at least once a day, sometimes twice a day is either uh, riding my bike or going for a walk run um, in nature. And, um, but I am really inspired by real people and real stories. I really have a natural curiosity about people. I find people fascinating and I'm most often the least likely person, the quiet person who you don't, don't believe has like a, an intriguing story or something to say is usually the most fascinating person. You, you know, I rode a bus with this lady one time. She really, honestly, I thought she was maybe homeless. Um, and I don't know why, but I guess I'm very inviting, but she just started to talk to me and I talked to everybody <laughs> and I'm teased about it. And <laughs> this woman, her job, she was on her way. We were taking a train into Philly. She was on her way to one of the museums in Philadelphia and her job was to go through every single artifact that they find when they dig up streets and stuff, clean it, wow. number it and categorize it. And I was like, no one would think this of this woman. So I yes. am fascinated and inspired by real people, real stories, how they think, how they came to think that, where they're from, what their culture is. 
Um, but I do have, you know, like everyone else, some favorite movies and books. Um, Stephen King's on writing was very inspirational to me as a writer. Um, Stephen King, did you say? Yes. Mm -hmm. He has a memoir. Every now and then it breaks up. Oh, sorry. He has a memoir called On, on Writing. And he talks about his inspiration for a lot of the movies. And it's basically his life story. But uh, as a writer, that was really inspiring to me. I love Ernest Hemingway. I am fascinated that Ernest Hemingway can convey a feeling in so few words in a sentence that has four words in it. And you know what he means and feel it like I want to feel, you know, so I want my characters to feel I want to feel, yes. I want to feel I like to feel real things, even if it's pain. I want to feel and I, you know, I love that. I love that. I really do. I, I'm just kind of getting to that. I was talking to a girlfriend recently and she, she watched something and they said, you know, why do we put happiness above every other feeling? You know, aren't they all valid? So I don't know, struck a chord. Right. Yeah. They're all, I mean, you learn really you know, to me, the most uh, profound lessons have come from the most profound pain. You know, you can't, yeah. You have to go through that if you're somebody that looks in internally, you know, or somebody that wants to learn something from it, you know, you do. <laughs> yeah. What about um, the best advice you've ever received? Can you think of something? It doesn't have to be the best because, you know, that can be hard to answer, but just good advice you've received. About writing or just in general? And in general or about um, writing. Yeah, I have to think about that for a second. One I, of the things I've you said a lot is, of great mentors, a lot of great advice. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, you said your dad said yeah. people put their pants one leg at a time. Right, right. <laughs> yes. And, you know, he really, he understood that innately as well, that people, well, everybody has a story. And I always joke, and this is even in my book, my father was a consummate storyteller. He was the the funniest guy. He really missed his calling in life. He had timing and delivery and a personality. And he had a, a breadth of knowledge that allowed him to talk and joke about a lot of subjects. So he was wherever we were, he was in the center and there was a crowd around him and it was a guaranteed comedy hour. Um, but he also understood uh, about everybody having a story to tell. And I used to tease him when he was alive and say, but dad, you don't let them tell it. <laughs> nobody really minded. You know, he took over the conversation, but nobody minded because he was hilariously funny. I mean, he just had a, a gift. You know, he could tell us, so you can make anything. Yes. I could still hear like all of his stories, you know, as can well as my family. When did he pass away? Uh, 2011. 2011. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he sounds he really so excited about the book. He'd be really excited. Yeah, well, maybe he was up there like pulling strings in Arizona. I think so. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, what about advice for other people? And it could be advice for somebody who's dreaming of writing a book, or it could be just somebody who has a dream. It might not be writing a book. It just is something, you know. Any? Do you have any advice? for others I, I think that sometimes fear gets in the way so if you could do anything to mitigate the fear to just take the first step you're on your road you know you're on the road because once you get into the throes of something that you love and you enjoy it just takes off because it's a passion it's a hobby it's like you know they interviewed Steve Jobs or any other wildly successful person and they say I never worked a day in my life because they had passion for what they were doing you know so if you, you want to paint, but you're afraid or you don't think you're good enough, you know, this is cliche almost, 
just put a brush on the paper. Who cares if you're having fun doing it? You know, who cares? I guess here's the advice. And this would now I could answer both questions with one thing that just popped into my head from this conversation. Detachment from outcome. And the advice probably came by way of Deepak Chopra, because I've read almost every one of his books and got deeper and deeper into that idea of detachment from outcome. You want anything in this world, let it go because the road to getting it, once you, you know, you put it out there that that's what you want and that's what you want to do during the journey there, all these other opportunities might come up that might be better, you know, better than what you thought. Yes. So I wanted to write a book as from an early age that to me signified success in my mind as a young person watching um, some of the older adults in my life who were good writers. Um, and to me, that was success, but I didn't know what I wanted to write about. And I wasn't going to force it even as a young person just to write for the sake of writing a book. So the way that this happened was very organic, you yes. know, and I think that's it. Just like, yeah, I wanted to write a book. I put it out to the universe and now I have a book that's <laughs> being published. You know what? I let, go of the, let go of it. I didn't force myself to do something about it. I let it go with nature. You did it for the love of doing it. I love that advice. That's that's really a great, to me, a great ending point, that detachment from, from the result and the joy in the journey. And I think that is so, and I love just put pen to paper and, or put brush to um, canvas. Yeah, right. <laughs> you I, can I'm tell I'm not an artist. <laughs> if I'm driving down the street and I have a thought and usually it's like a sentence, like, oh, that would be a good sentence. I put it in my phone. I may or may never use that sentence or go back to it. Or that's the great start of a book. That's a good book. Or that's a title. You know, I just record my thoughts and then someday they might come together, you know, in some way, but they're, they're getting documented somewhere, you know, but then and you're feeding your creativity. Yeah. But I agree with what you said. I mean, the journey is fun, man. Even the bad times, the bad times, like there are the stories, they're the stories that I'll write about yeah. next or, you know, or how you overcame them or what you went through that somebody else can relate to. I mean, the journey's fun. Going to Mexico was scary, but it was, it was so fun. <laughs> it was the most enlightening experience. So, and I, you know, more by yourself. That, I went by myself and I was uh, in my young 20s, like maybe 24. And I had never been alone on a trip myself ever. And I, I was there for my birthday alone. And um, it ended up being one of the best experiences of my life. And then I wanted more, more adventures. <laughs> you are unusual. I just have to say, <laughs> I, 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 I don't think I would do that when I was in my 20s. And I don't think I would do that now. Maybe I'll do it when I'm in my sixties. <laughs> that yeah. could be my goal. Yeah. Well, I, I had a couple trips after that because that opened the door for it. You know that, I mean, alone, I've had many trips after that, but so once but yeah, you do alone. it, then yeah. And I mean, I prefer to travel with a companion, but sometimes you just like last summer, I needed to get away. I went by myself to um, Key West for three days. I was really stressed out, like really in a, just lots of stuff going on. And I met this fabulous woman and we're still friends in touch and we ended up having so much fun. And, you know, so oh sometimes, gosh, cool. I'm going to have to um, call you once a month. Okay. <laughs> it was great talking with you. For inspiration. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> that means a lot to me. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you.
Hey, thanks for listening. Giant thank you goes out to show advisor Roseanne Griffiths, the talented musician Bill Aronson, who wrote, produced, performed the Soulful Connections theme song. And a thank you goes out to Brad Sanders for creating the Soulful Connections logo. Love it. That's new this year. So much gratitude to these guys and to my friends and family who continue to listen and guide me. And once again, to you for listening. I would love to hear from you. Please shoot me an email at soulfullife at gmail.com. That's S-O-L-F-U-L-L-I-F-E at gmail.com.